Hello and welcome to episode number 80 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about media holes. No, not the media a-holes, although I think that could quite sum this thing up pretty well. This is about the bias in the media, which we all know exists. And more than just skewing a story, it's about what they're leaving out of the stories that seems to tell a whole lot about what's really going on in the world. Well, I've been saying for a while that I wanted to start seeing some stories in the press about people who are doing everything right in isolation, not going out but still get the coronavirus. My wife and I are taking this thing seriously. Haven't left the house in a few weeks, had our groceries delivered, and that was a whole nother story, which we've talked about a little bit here and on Grumpy Old Ben's, another podcast that I do, where the process of getting the groceries was quite interesting. But we got the groceries. The system that the company here is using is they just put them on your doorstep, So you don't ever have to see the person. You never have to interact with the delivery driver. That's what we've been doing. And as of yet, virus-free, at least symptomatic-free. This is also, we don't know in the world of coronavirus who has it and who doesn't, because it's now being speculated that maybe up to 50% of the people that get it won't even have symptoms. But the first such story of a person that has done everything right said they've been home for three weeks isolating even from her husband has finally hit the news and it's a good one a good story mainly because of what the media is leaving out and this is also going to be a little bit of a primer on what happens when a story gets sourced from one source, which is the media we're living in now. We don't have any investigative journalists that I can tell. And if we do, maybe there are a few of them that are still out there. But the way news coverage goes now is somebody reports a story, sometimes on Twitter, sometimes on Facebook. And these news organizations, in air quotes, picks them up as stories and runs with them. And there, that's no different here. On um, this story of the woman who claims she hasn't left the house in three weeks was told by a North Carolina television station and on their website that was picked up by a bunch of other outlets. And what's interesting is I don't even think people that are writing these stories that pick them up from other organizations are doing the very least of doing any other kind of investigation about the stories and i'll tell you why a charlotte north carolina woman named rachel brummert is the woman at the center of this story which has headlines such as charlotte woman hasn't left her house in three weeks but tested positive for covid19 and north carolina woman gets coronavirus despite staying home for three weeks Well, she has an autoimmune disorder, 
which is, I think, something that people want to know about just because we know pre-existing conditions do make a difference with this particular disease. All the articles do state that. They state that she has an autoimmune disorder, but she's saying that she doesn't know how these articles are telling you. She doesn't know how she got the infection, and that's a lie. Because as the WCNC, the main source, the television station, they have a video up of them interviewing her, which is a little bit questionable, too, because she seems to be speaking pretty well. And people that are having this are usually gasping for breath. She's coughing. Didn't really notice gasping for breath, but I don't want I'm not a doctor, so I can't make any diagnosis based upon that. But the, all these articles are like, well, she hasn't left the house in three weeks. She doesn't know how she got it. Well, in all the articles, they do tell you that she came in contact with quotes from the WCNC article, a woman who volunteered to drop off groceries at her doorstep once. Brummert said the woman later tested positive for COVID-19. I barely had any contact, Brummert said. I didn't even touch her. Well, that's a pretty clear case. When you're talking about community spread, they want to go and find who you came in contact with that had the disease. And she knows of a person that she came in contact with that did grocery shopping for her that has the disease. So is this really a question of how she got it, if she actually has it? And I don't know what the proof is on that, but we'll get to that part of the story. But I barely had any contact with her. She said, I didn't even touch her. Uh, watching the coverage on WCNC, the articles are all leaving out something that she said, which I thought was kind of interesting. Again, knowing that the company that I dealt with here in the Chicagoland area to get groceries had a very clear policy of our people will leave your groceries on your doorstep. They don't want you to have any contact with them. They don't want to have any contact with you. This woman that got her groceries, they say volunteered to get her groceries. So this obviously wasn't a service. I'm guessing somebody she knew because she does have a husband and he's been doing most of the grocery shopping. So I don't know why that a woman volunteered to drop off groceries at her doorstep once randomly. Don't know why that is. But what all of the articles are leaving out that the television coverage had in was Ms. Brummert, the woman who's infected now, saying that she thanked her from a distance. And that's, again, where they, she came into contact with the quotes they are saying, I barely had any contact. I didn't even touch her. Now, I don't know what from a distance means. Maybe six foot. I don't know. She doesn't say how close the woman came to her. Also doesn't necessarily say if the woman walked into her house, just left it on the doorstep. Maybe she did leave it on the doorstep, but maybe she had a conversation with her. But when somebody says, oh, I didn't even touch her, would lead me to believe she was in fairly close proximity to her. And she doesn't mention anything about wearing a mask or anything for that, which is interesting because she's claiming that she's been doing everything right. As I said, she has a husband who she calls her primary caregiver because she does 
have a medical condition. Her and her husband have allegedly been isolating from each other even before the diagnosis, before the test for COVID. There's no word on whether the husband was tested or not. Also find that a little bit interesting. Would have liked that data, but no, nobody's talking about that. The media doesn't care about that. When talking to the WN, uh, WCNC reporter, she confirms to him that she hasn't left the house in three weeks. He said, well, she so hasn't left the house in three weeks. No, I haven't. Well, my question is, then how did she get tested? Because nobody's coming to your house to do these tests. Now, I would understand, no, I hadn't left the house for the previous three weeks, but I got sick, so I had to go out and get tested. That wasn't the question. He's interviewing her. She is wearing a mask. She keeps coughing profusely, although she's talking quite well and loud, which if you're having problems breathing, again, I'm not a doctor, just a question I'm having about this. But when somebody then would say to you, so you haven't left the house in three weeks, they'd be like, well, no, except to get tested. I had to go out and get tested. That wasn't the answer. Words mean things. Just curious. Maybe just a quirk in language. Maybe didn't even consider that as leaving the house. I don't know. But I know if somebody would have asked me that question, I'd say, no, I haven't left the house in three weeks except to go get tested. But the interesting thing about this woman that the mainstream media is leaving out of this story is that her story really begins back in 2006 which is when her disability began and she suffered a permanent adverse reaction to taking Leviquin, which is an antibiotic that she was prescribed for a sinus infection. About a month after starting on the medication, she was walking across a parking lot and had an Achilles tendon rupture, which is really painful from what I understand. Never had one happen to myself. Jose Contreras, White Sox pitcher, a few years ago, had that happen when he was running to first base. His foot hit the base wrong, ruptured the tendon, went down in a heap. Very painful. I mean, as you can imagine, you're having a tendon rupture. She's then had three more ruptures, all requiring surgery, which they say one rupture. In these articles I read on this, the doctors, well, one rupture, bad luck. Two rupture, uh, ruptures are coincidental. More than that, they want to know why all of a sudden this is happening. They traced it back to that antibiotic. And now to date here in 2020, she's had 25 tendon ruptures, memory problems, trouble balancing, seizures, sudden drops in blood pressure. So all of this, not good. So she has a serious medical condition. There's no question about that. None of this is actually reported in any of these stories, which I guess we're also talking again just about nobody doing their homework. They're just reporting the very basics, which is a woman saying she hasn't left the house for three weeks, doesn't know how she got COVID, although she, she admits that somebody dropped off groceries that she had contact with, at least somewhat, that was then tested for it. But why is all of this important? It comes down to me about who this woman is. And if I can read from the biography of Ms. Brummert from the ION Medical Safety website, Ms. Brummert is a special government employee, SGE, at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and is a contributor for MedShadow Foundation and Drug Watch. 
so she's a special government employee working with the FDA. She recently founded Courage to Continue, which is described on their website as, quote, a company dedicated to empowering women, overcoming trauma, and encouraging social change. We accomplish this by producing thought-provoking films and public service announcements through public speaking and collaborating with other organizations to affect positive change. So she's a documentary maker, which doesn't necessarily make her a liar, but this makes this interesting that government employee, documentary maker, but people covering this story about her getting COVID don't want to mention any of this. And I don't know why, because it either makes her really believable or really unbelievable, depending on who you want to talk to. And when you start leaving this information out, I'm sorry, but I start going down the path of really unbelievable. Again, her company is dedicated to empowering women, overcoming trauma, and encouraging social change. We all know those buzzwords of that social change and doing so by producing thought-provoking films. You know, propaganda, marketing. We're all being pushed the new Coke. You know what I'm saying? So her whole life, since she had this affliction, and it sounds like a horrible affliction, I feel bad that anybody has to go through something like that. But her whole life since then has been dedicated to pushing a narrative. The Courage to Chain website has a link to her Twitter account, which is currently in protected mode, which means nobody can read any of the tweets that she has posted before today. And for me, I would question anybody that's out there trying to get people to take up their cause, that you want people to be engaged with your story and you want to give them this information. Why is your Twitter account private? What are you editing? What are you deleting that you don't want people to see who are maybe seeing this story like I am today and going, oh, great. This is a story I wanted to see. I wanted to see people staying home and they're going to get the disease because this is going to tell us a lot about how this particular virus travels. And now I'm going to do your homework. Well, I'm not going to do your homework. Hopefully you're doing your homework, but people are going to read that story. They're going to see her name. They're going to look her up and go, who is she? They're going to wind up on her Twitter account. Boom, that's private. So maybe there was something really juicy there. I don't know. It's private. That also sends up a red flag to me as the media not telling you government employee documentary maker really likes to push a narrative. WCNC has run other stories about Ms. Brummert. She claims that in 2019, that a stranger at a Charlotte bar reached under her skirt and sexually assaulted her. Again, horrible thing. She seems to have really bad things happen to her. I feel bad if they're true. Because she and a friend at the time just happened to be filming a documentary about domestic and sexual violence. So we have a medical advocate right now catching COVID-19. She was making a film about sexual violence and all of a sudden had something happen to her in a Charlotte bar in 2019. Now, the article goes on to say 
that Ms. Brummert wishes she could bring herself to the police department to file a report. So let me get this straight. A documentary maker woman that's fighting against sexual violence, currently making a documentary at the time about sexual violence, gets sexually assaulted, but can't see herself, can't get herself to report it to the police. Why? Well, because then she claims that when she was 21 years old, she was raped by a police officer in the Northeast United States. Obviously, not mentioning state. Uh, obviously didn't report that at the time either. And I start questioning again. Could it be true? Yeah, sure. And if it is, feel bad for her. Nothing like that should happen to anybody. But there are questions here. The article also states that she's in therapy for PTSD with the goal of eventually reporting the crime that was back in 2019. I didn't see anything since that she did. So I'm guessing that PTSD maybe still had her. This is something that I think anybody reporting a story should, we should know who the person is that the story is about. I think this is some vital information when you have somebody again in certain areas of expertise. And I would guess she is as a medical advocate, as a documentary maker. In this case, somebody that was fighting against sexual violence was allegedly just happened while they were making that. Had something happen to her, but she couldn't even report that to the police. It's a sad story all the way around, but there's a lot of reason to question what this woman says. Remember, she just started a company at the beginning of this year, Courage to Change, that makes documentaries, that's making propaganda. And her resume currently also shows her working with the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, special government employee. And she's just trying to ride out this COVID at home. So I don't know if I had these pre-existing conditions that she does with an, uh, autoimmune problems, I would be seeing a doctor going into a hospital. But that's just me. The story that she doesn't know how she got sick seems to be complete and utter garbage because she did say she came in contact with somebody. That's how the disease spreads. You come in contact with somebody. We're not explained anywhere in any of these articles why a woman volunteered to get groceries for her when she lives with her husband who's her caretaker that has been doing grocery shopping why a random other person was allowed when you're so worried about catching this disease to come into your house or at least drop these things at your doorstep where you then had contact because again thanked her from a distance wasn't didn't even see her no thanked her from a distance which means you talk to her and i don't know a distance a distance could be an inch away, a foot away, 10 feet away. We don't know. And she doesn't say. And that's also interesting to me because I would think when she was going through this whole rigmarole, if she thinks she's doing everything right, staying home, always wears gloves, she says, to get the mail, which I'm not sure why, because gloves are a really big problem because you have to take them off. And if you take the gloves off, you have to use one of your bare hands to take the gloves off. So either way, you have to wash your hands. And having the germs, having the virus on your hands does not give you the virus. This is why we're being told, wash your hands, soap and water, at least 20 seconds. The soap breaks down the outer shell of the virus and it goes away. 
really, really, really a good way to not get infected. Keep washing your hands. But for some reason, she's wearing gloves. Doesn't mention she's washing her hands after the gloves. And this is where a lot of people get confused with this stuff. Well, I wore gloves and I took the gloves off, so I don't have to wash my hands because I wore gloves. No, that's not true. You probably have to wash your hands even more so because the gloves are giving you nothing but a false sense of security. But if you're wearing gloves, then she also said, oh, well, I also picked up some packages on my porch, but I didn't even think about wearing gloves for those. So you're so, so, so into wearing the gloves that you do it every time you go out and get mail, but you don't on some occasional packages that show up on your doorstep. And again, why are you getting any of them? You have a husband. He's there with you. Why isn't he getting the mail? Why are you putting gloves on in your weakened immune condition to go out and get the mail? And then why are you the one having contact with a woman who volunteered to bring you groceries who then tested positive for COVID? So again, a lot of questions here. And the media stories are only there to scare us, it would appear, because the stories only focus on woman who hasn't left the house in three weeks got COVID. So ooh, all of you who have been doing the right thing, who've been staying home, who've been avoiding everybody. The big bad boogeyman virus could be coming for you anytime. We don't know. So be wary of the news media. Be wary of the things they're not reporting. Another story going around right now, and we're just going to hit this one briefly, is the fact that Smithfield, one of the largest pork producers here in the United States, is closing down due to a number of infected employees at one of their plants were being told this could affect the food supply chain here in the United States. And again, we should all be worried. This first story was be worried you're staying at home and avoiding people, but you can still get the virus. This is your food chain is going to be interrupted and maybe you're not going to be able to get enough food for you and your family. The thing that's not being reported in a vast majority of these stories, some people are posting this on Twitter and other places, but I haven't seen, and I could be wrong, but a majority of the mainstream media that is covering this, and maybe all, and if, I'm, if I missed one, feel free to reach out and let me know which one I missed, but the mainstream media is telling you this is happening, and that's fine, but they forget to mention that Smithfield is owned by a Chinese company. Hmm. I think that might be valid information at a time when China is already pulling some of the data from their coronavirus uh, research off the internet. There is a war of words between the United States, China, and other countries, I'm sure, about where this started, who's going to be held responsible. Maybe this is completely accurate. Or maybe this is a shot across the bow of China saying, you know, we own a decent amount of your food supply chain there in the United States. We could just shut it down. The media, again, maybe you want to cover that little point so people can make an informed decision about what's going on. We keep seeing numbers about the deaths going up. Well, as I told you before, the deaths are never going to go down. The number per day will. The number of infected people will never go down. Again, the number per day will, but 
as more and more people succumb to this, as more and more people are tested, more and more people are going to be shown to have the virus. The latest story today, you know, unfortunately, a sailor from the USS Theodore Roosevelt died from COVID-19. But the aircraft carrier, the Theodore Roosevelt, then was tested completely for COVID-19 exposure. And there's a few stories that I kind of want to bring in with this, but we'll start with the Theodore Roosevelt. That is 4,800 crew members, 585 of them tested positive for COVID-19. That's 12.2%. And if you've ever been on an aircraft carrier, I haven't, but I'm assuming this is everybody on one boat. We can explain this like we did with the Diamond Princess ship, which had a 17% infection rate. Both of these ships with the people on them in a very small ecosystem, sharing quarters, sharing mess halls, dining rooms, whatever you call them, whether you're civilian or military, but they're all in a small area confined on the ship. The Theodore Roosevelt had a 12.2 infection rate, the Diamond Princess cruise ship, a 17% infection rate. There was a study done in the German town that was one of the towns at the epicenter of COVID-19. They tested a thousand random people and they found that 15% of the people were infected. So a 15% infected rate in a town that was at the epicenter in Germany. And then we go to a Chinese town. And I know you have to question any of the data that's coming out of China, but a Chinese town tested only household members of people who had been tested positive for COVID-19. So they tested the people that lived with the people who had tested positive for COVID-19 again, telling you that you're in close quarters with these people. And the infection rate, amazingly, in the Chinese uh, homes that had people that were infected, those infected people only infected 15% of the people they lived with. So that was a 15% infection rate. This is some very interesting data. All small studies, but we're coming from two different ships. We're coming from a town in China in a town in Germany, that the infection rate between all of these are between 12 and 17%. So you have to start asking yourself the question, how many people can really be infected with this particular virus when people in close contact in these areas seems to be about 80% aren't getting it at all, even though you would have to logically think they were exposed to it. And medical science is going to have a lot to answer for with this. But if that's true, I would think that would be a really good sign moving forward that even though this can be a very deadly virus with the people that can be affected by it, if 80% of the population of the world has some kind of immunity or something going on with their physiology that doesn't allow this virus to infect them, that should one help us find a cure and a treatment and a vaccine and all that kind of stuff. 
and it should really give us some good information on how we should move forward from this because everybody's going stir crazy. Every country in the world wants to get back to doing business because closing down the world economies will eventually have a more severe outcome than this virus. We're already hearing sad stories of suicides. There was just a child somewhere, I don't remember where, that killed themselves, they believe, because of all the stress of this COVID 19. There's a lot of bad stuff going on here, and we need to get down to the truth of what's really happening. We have to understand why the media reports stories in the way they do, and part of it is the media just sucks. We don't have any more real journalists out there who are willing to do homework and research a story. It really sickens me that I found the story of the woman saying she never left the house for three weeks and still got it, that I found that on at least three or four news sites already, and the story just broke. Not one of them mentioned her past. Not one of them mentioned she was a government employee. Not one of them mentioned she was a documentary filmmaker, patient advocate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So why? Ask yourself why. It's the same reason why people still push the story that Donald Trump said. There were good people on both sides of that incident in Charlottesville in 2017. Yet news media continues to lie about that. They know the truth. It's all about pushing a narrative, which is why you have to ask yourself if the people you're reading the news stories from and the people in this case you're reading news stories about might have a narrative of their own to push. It's up to us to do our own homework. And luckily, we have DuckDuckGo.com, Bing.com, and even the dreaded Google.com if you want to do your own homework. It's fun. When you read a story like this, you take the person's name, you put it into those search engines, and you see what else comes up. It's sad that none of the reporters could do that before writing their stories for these various news organizations. It's either, again, they're completely ignorant and unaware of how to do their job. They don't care, or worse yet, they're complicit and want to push a story so you can get scared about the virus coming to get you while you sit in your house. It's all just disturbing. It really and truly is, which is why you have to be careful where you're getting your media from. Only go to sources you trust, and even those sources, do your own homework, which is what we're doing here. And we hope you like the content we're bringing you here on the Random Thoughts podcast. If you like the show, do me a favor. Go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, and click one of those subscribe buttons, Apple, Android, email, whatever's easiest for you. And we do work on the value for value model. So if you're getting something out of this podcast, click that donation button, use that barcode, QR code, use the P.O. box address, whatever you want to do send a little value back this way. It is appreciated. We do have an executive producer on the show today, a guy doing this monthly for us, and it is greatly appreciated once again. Keith Von Dyke, we appreciate your support of the Random Thoughts podcast, and we hope we're helping keep you sane in a time where people are just freaking out, climbing the walls, getting a little bit of that cabin fever going on. We'll make it through it. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so via email, darren at randomthoughts.com, D-A-R-R-E-N, 
or you can catch me on Twitter at Random Podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Podcast, or my personal Twitter account. It's not blocked. You can see all the dumb stuff I post at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. So until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and take care of each other. I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 